Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hotline League. I know there's a little bit of a video delay for me. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, that is unfortunately uh, just an artifact of me traveling this week. We did a bunch of uh, audio and tech checks for 45 minutes before the start of the show. It seemed completely fine, and then right at 7 o'clock, everybody in Twitch chat suddenly said, Hey, your webcam is delayed. I assume that's because they were all trolling me. And uh, anyway, whatever. The show's going to be great. we got a lot to talk about tonight, but first let me introduce my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. I'm here. And anything else? And? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. What else is, is there talking about? Uh, been playing Final Fantasy 16 still. Just uh, forcing myself through it because actually it's nocturnal for work. I don't know if I, I mentioned it to, to Twitch chat before but she uh is doing overnight shifts now in emergency place uh so one when she's not working we're both nocturnal we went to like boba at like 1 1 a.m last night and i love it i love being nocturnal uh just no one is around you um but there's also a lot of nights where i'm just you know hanging out so until all the other good games drop which it's a banger year i realized too i got Baldur's gate 3 where you can fuck a bear i have uh starfield I got Armored Wait, Core. You you I got uh, the expansion pack uh, coming for. I never played it. Um, whatever the the, the 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 Cyberpunk game. I never played Cyberpunk. Um, yeah. Great. Well, we'll talk more about all that in a second. But first off, about fucking bears. Co- Speaking our of co- guest co-host this week, returning is none other than Cubby. How's it going, Cubby? Uh, I, great. I, I'm pretty intimidated now by that intro from Mark. You know, I, I do I have to be worried around here. You know, it's 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 a druid. <laughs> it's it's a wild shaped druid. What are you worried about? <laughs> Nothing. It's it's a game. But no, all's good. Uh, I casted five out of the six Challenger League games today because then my internet shat itself, and that was 100% what happened. And definitely not, you know, me unplugging the cord to try and make sure that we got the Hotline League on time, which didn't happen at all. Uh, but Dude, no, Cubby um, knew he was like, "All right, nobody's watching an ACL." It was tonight. a good series. Uh, let me get on Hotline League. Eg, two old FlyQuest challengers. You guys, if anyone's following challengers, you'll, you'll realize how surprising that is. But uh, I, I was bummed I got to miss the last game. But hey, glad to be joining you guys today. Is Eg challengers bad? Uh they have not been able to get things together. The roster should be good, but they've been playing bad. Uh, but they had a top lane swap, which uh, I think is going to be an upgrade for them in the long haul. Shaden's definitely someone that has been rank one and rank two on the ladder in the past. Uh, and then Ryoma and King are going to be familiar names. Uh, King's actually been playing really well this split in Challengers, so uh, that's been good to see. He's been really good, and he played really well today. So it was a really good 2-0 against FlyQuest, who are our second seed right now in Challengers. Gotcha. All right, well, for more Challenger updates, stay tuned to Cubby. All right, uh, thank you to Alienware for sponsoring this episode. Really appreciate it. We'll talk more about them later on but yeah uh, i guess we, i know we're starting a little bit late so we can't oh do spend too much time on this but mark what's been your your update what's been going on for you content wise recently uh the are you smarter thens and catching up with double lifts have started coming out now um that's pretty much it playing the show as usual uh not too much there in terms of watching things started the new season of alone Always like that. Uh, watched the first half of Witcher. I guess they're doing a split thing. Um, it's 
fucking whatever. It's fine. Is it worth uh, the watch? No. All right. But if I you're think like so. me, you'll so watch Kobe it. And I are, Kobe and I are two episodes into the season, and I will say that in the first – I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, though. Mark's going to do his normal thing um, where he freaks out about spoilers. Uh, in the first episode, there is a a fight scene where so like it's like the show's People going, the show's the going, show? and then there's a fight scene where you have Henry Cavill just start doing awesome choreogra- choreography and like the Witcher soundtrack plays, and I'm just like, this is all I need. Like this is the the fight scene was actually really well done, I think, in the first episode, and um, and I think. I, I don't know. I that's, I'm just like this is great. This is fantastic. Thank you for this, Witcher. Like this is what I need. So I mean I'm sad that it's this is the final season, but I'm excited to see what they've got in store with us. I, so. I I actually just can't wait for Henry Cavill to fuck off so I can get Liam Liam Hemsworth in. Nope, here. this is the final season, Mark. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't wait for Liam. Uh, no, I mean the show's nope, like okay. It, it has it those is. moments. Anytime Siri, Yennefer, and Geralt are like just like being characters and like existing together, the show like almost makes it worth it. And then you'll just like go into like la la land of like stupid politicking that like doesn't make sense. And like characters will just like start appearing places and it doesn't make sense. And then the last episode of the season, in terms of a structure, it's like they wanted to do something really cool and clever and they copied it because it's done in a lot of other kinds of media, but they just had no good reason for doing it that way. And it is the most painful episode. Of The Witcher, I think I've watched so far, the the end oh, of God, season five, okay. or the the fifth well, we'll season, see of, how the fifth episode of the season. Interesting. Um, I watched Past Lives as plane. well. Overrated. Sorry, what was overrated? Past Lives, overrated. Fine, okay. good movie, great directing, good writing. Yeah. So I'm in S- Seattle right now. I flew to Vancouver yesterday. I I hosted a meet up and we did a draft so thanks to everybody that came out it was really fun uh but one of the things that i think i've mentioned in previous episodes was that i was re-watching using a, a rewatch guide uh doctor who and i think what doctor who does so impressively to me is it will create like the corniest goofiest shit but still make it feel so fucking epic yep. so i at the end of the like the last two episodes the two-parter and in season four, it's not a spoiler. They they do this thing where they because at the time they had like a kids show going with like a former companion of the doctors from like way back in the day, and then they also had like Torchwood going at the same time, which was like a spinoff show as well. Um, and then they had like previous companions from David Tennant. They do this sequence at the beginning where it's just like you start cutting between all these characters and you're realizing that they're all going to converge and you're like, oh my God, we're even bringing in like the corny shit from the kids show and all that stuff. And it should feel so cringe, but instead it just feels all epic as shit and it's so goofy and yet it's so good. And I don't understand why um, or how they're able to do it, but it's it's so good. So I'm, I'm probably, uh, I'm almost done with David Tennant and then, on to Matt Smith, and I am uh, probably not going to watch anything after Matt Smith because I feel like I'm just not interested in in really the the show after that. But um, you're sexist, yeah, it's it's been very fun. Nope, the Doctor after Matt Smith is an old white guy named Peter Capaldi. Oh. 
I, I don't know. The, so, I actually have never watched Doctor Who. It's like one of those things where like, I'm sure I could get into it if I like really wanted to, but I also don't think anything's missing from my life if I skip it. That was the only sci-fi show that I could watch with my younger sister that she liked. So it's a good one. I think that the David Tennant and Matt Smith are like the two best docs. So good, uh, yeah, good, good, good call stopping after that. Yeah. 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 Twitch chat now calling me ageist. Anyway, let's get into the show. Coming People eventually, keep putting takes in here. If you get put a take, you better join a goddamn voice chat so I can pull you. Otherwise, I have to tag you and be like, hey, join a room. It's a lot of Doctor Who takes, at least I'm seeing in this chat. But I'm, I'm sure you got better takes that are more League of Legends related in, in the Discord chat, which is, I think, where you need to go if you want to get your take heard on Hotline League. Look at that. I'm warning. So this might be a spoiler for this episode of Hotline League, but I was told that Bustio of Evil Geniuses Valorant fame was going to be trying to call in. So if we you see, but I don't him. see him in any of the like pub calls or sub calls channels. So if you see him in the Discord, Mark, just, I don't know, scream at him to get in if he has a take that, that we want. I think it'd be very fun to have a professional Valorant player who was just in the finals in Japan call into the show. Uh, but anyway. This is Mark, Travis actually, trying to leave the league we, scene. Why don't we do? Yeah, he's trying. He's trying to get into the league scene. He's like, no, you're trying to leave it. All right, you're trying Uh, to get out. What? 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 How do you? How does the show work, Mark? Why don't you explain? Uh, For people who don't know, this is a live call-in show. We are on Discord right now. You can go ahead and join up. Where I'm spamming the link in Twitch chat. Go ahead, click that. Uh, once you're in there, go ahead and join one of the pleb calls or sub calls voice channels. That's what I was just complaining about with people putting takes without being in here. I cannot put you in the waiting room if you're not already in a voice channel. So go ahead, join a voice channel, mute your microphone when you get in there. Uh, and then in the pleb topics text channel or subtopics text channel, that's where you're going to go ahead and write your take. If I like what you're saying, if you have an interesting perspective, a good question for Cubby, maybe uh, we'll go ahead and pull you into the waiting room. We'll hang out until it's your turn to come on air. Then we'll do a quick mic check. And then you'll be here talking to us. Uh, I just noticed I was I looked up and I was like, wow, we have so many people watching the episode. And then I noticed that four minutes ago we got rated by fifteen hundred people from LCS Challengers. So thank you everybody from LCS Challengers. Great to see you here. Yeah. Uh, God, glad to have you here. This is a show about League of Legends esports, so you'll you'll love it here. Uh, and thanks for the raid, LCS Challengers. Uh, also, if you are a sub. Uh, to add on to what Mark was just saying, you can put a take in the subtopics channel and then uh, join the sub sub calls waiting room or sub calls channel for voice, and we will try to drag you in. We doesn't always guarantee you, but we do try to uh, give people some attention in the subtopics chat because we really appreciate all of our subs. So I know That's we a are. Lie. Behind, I don't appreciate so- any of you. Looks like the waiting room is pretty full. Mark, do you want to go grab our first caller? Sure. And off Mark goes. In speaking of subs, thank you to uh, Lo, uh, Lo, Lopinchinski, Alex Bad, Ian Seven J Two, God Mode, Retro Paint, Blue Jay, The Noblet, uh, Aerohydrus, Glimmer Glen. Profit Guru, Magnarius, and Mark is back with Rob. Rob, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Oakland County, Michigan. 
Ooh. From Michigan. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I want to talk about FlyQuest, and I think they are going to finish ninth, and they need to be stopped. They can't be given the benefit of the doubt anymore. Wait, you're you're from Michigan, and you're not a fan of the Great Lakes-based Immortals? <laughs> um, they need to pick up some wins first. Oh, okay. I just, just wanted Do you to know, know that Immortals is based out of the Great Lakes, or that's like their their thing? It is. Yes, yeah, actually, it, I did know that. It's great. They, uh, uh, they do events the at U of M. Yeah, you go to the big house at all? The Smash event? Or uh, the one at U, U of M? Uh, I haven't been to any, but I have friends who have been, and they have actually enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's a great event. IMT has a good presence there, but anyway. All right, FlyQuest. Yeah. yeah so uh, you so, think, sorry, you said you think they're going to finish ninth. Yeah, I, I do. Um, so, so they will not off, make playoffs. Nope, they will not make playoffs. Okay, go so, ahead and explain why. Yeah. Uh, first off, well, obviously they're two games behind already, and they only have six games to make up that gap, which is going to be very difficult. But the main reason is that they just they don't look good even in their wins. They feel like passengers in their own games where they're just kind of letting the game play out, and they're not able to do much to stop other teams from doing anything. Even like in their wins against TL, uh, they're energy win as well they just like the game just kind of keeps going on and eventually they won but they don't feel like they're doing anything to win it just happens they don't even have a particular so the rest of their their schedule is NRG, eg team liquid tsm immortals and Cloud9. Yeah, so it's not like an easy path. I'd say it's about 50-50. They play some good teams and they play some mediocre teams. But uh, if if you need to catch up by two games, then that can be that can be really tough over the course of six. So I think mm-hmm. that could be of concern. Uh, Kobe, what do you think? To, you have to beat NRG and TSM because that's going to be your competition, right? Uh, so you got to figure that those are must wins. I think it's pretty reasonable if FlyQuest go three and three, uh, just call it fifty fifty. Um, I think my issue with FlyQuest so far has actually been that they, I think earlier in the season they were drafting like split identities, and I don't, I can't really tell you what the identity of this team is, and I, I think that's a big mm-hmm. difference from Spring, where Spring it was like very clear that like, hey, we're gonna play to go neutral. In the early phases of the game, we're going to take champions that can be better later, and we're going to execute that really well. Like that's why they had so much focus on like the Amumu and Malakai picks early on in the season. It was just make space for Prince and Vic to team fight. Now it feels like they're really not on the same page. It feels like Vulcan is kind of forcing engage picks, uh, and that's how this team wants to operate. But I, I feel like that's really like there are just so many moments like where FlyQuest in games, like they're in winning positions or have leads, and then just make one or two terrible decisions that take them out of the game. I'm thinking of like that game against Dignitas Mark where they pushed down mid with that Herald and like went for the dive and just got like absolutely obliterated. <laughs> into into Tomo, yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm thinking of like Prince walked up. Like it was a game where they were behind in gold, but it was earlier in the season. Prince walked up to like auto a turret, ended up getting ran. I think it might have been against NRG, like very early on, but like he, he threw the game by just hitting a outer turret like when he just didn't need to. It just feels like this team is just it feels like five players playing five different games and there's not an identity for this team. I think that in spring, they really benefited from that. I think that they're individually strong enough to find wins. I know that scrims are still like their scrim bucks are still pretty high, but 
They don't have a stage identity. And that, like, when push comes to shove later, that really helps you know what to do in games. And it feels like FlyQuest don't know what to do in a lot of the games they're playing right now. I feel like... Uh, Mark, the, the, I was those two say, points. Oh, go ahead. You would normally do a blame game about FlyQuest by this point in time. So I, I think what we do is, this is a segment of the show right now. It's the Mark Zimmerman blame game. What would you blame game FlyQuest for? Well, I mean, I actually kind of agree with both Cubby's take and the caller's take. So this would be agreeing with the blame, I guess, because, uh, yeah, they don't have an identity. It's one of the things that is like the biggest problem. It's not, like, I don't know how they win games right now. They won those three games um, all in the same week, but none of them were super clean. Uh, they're really just like scrappy do like random shit happening. And then one team pops out the other end with the dub. Uh, only the Immortals win was clean, but Immortals is on a 10 game loss streak. <laughs> um, so that doesn't matter. I think the the concerning thing is when you talk about the strength of schedule that like the caller was saying, like they have to out over, it's not just that they're going to go three and three, which is like optimistic right now, even, but then the other team that above them means that either energy or hundred thieves has to go one in five to catch them. And you have to have that tiebreaker against them. That's true. Which I think they, they're, they're going to be playing both of them if I'm not mistaken. But they lost or, the first round Robin, the TSM for sure. And I think oh no, they've already lost maybe both two times to yeah. hundred thieves. Or did they beat hundred thieves? I can't remember. I'm looking real quick. Where where were their wins? No, they didn't beat, beat hundred thieves. Round Robin. Yeah, and they already played them again the second round Robin. So FlyQuest is a zero two versus hundred thieves. So even if hundred thieves goes one in five, they will still you know like. Anyways, the point is like it's such an outside chance to not only have. FlyQuest go 500 right now, which seems like a stretch when they're three and nine, but then also the people above them to be horrible and it can only be NRG or like TSM literally uh, has to go like zero six almost, <laughs> you know, while they go three and three. Like it's, it's just not happening. I actually kind of agree with the caller where they're dead. They're dead in the water. I don't see how they, they do it unless like they literally become their scrim team and like go five and one or something ridiculous. Like it's, it's yeah. really hard to see that happening though when you have FlyQuest or c9 on on the the docket you have um eg you know eg as well yeah tl you know even even tsm is not a slouch right now so yeah i just i just don't see it happening i think i think they're gone i think it's basically a lock for missing playoffs now wow the uh well the other thing that is notable in blame games mark is you tend to have people who who are like oh here's who's to blame for FlyQuest not doing well, right? Where like one comment will be like, "This is all, uh, I don't know, Vulcan's fault," and he picked that fight, and then he showed up, and now he sucks. Or it's, like Vicklo was like the Vulcan's biggest disappointment fault. ever. It's clearly Vulcan's fault. Look at the team from spring compared to now. Even Ayla won more games than this, didn't he? Actually, uh, EG have won more games than all the teams where they sent the four members from last. <laughs> I meant I meant spring on FlyQuest. He won more games than this. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but uh, I'd have to double check. Uh, I, he played half. He played half a split. Wait, how many games did Ayla win in half a split on FlyQuest versus Vulcan? Oh boy, let me let me go look at this. Um, uh, while while I dig this up, I'm not actually blaming. It's a total team collapse. I don't know how you you blame any one person. Like they're oh. all fucking up. I think Vikla's the biggest like individual yep. standout bad player, but he's not so terrible. That like if he played like this and the rest of the team was like smurfing or anything, that like they would be three and nine if he was the only one playing bad, you know? He's been pretty bad though. It's it it's it's not been it's been a 
honestly a bummer to see from Vikla, who, of course, was the LCK uh, Rookie of the Year last year, and now is, I mean, kind of struggling in LCS. It's been tough. Um, I think he's been a little bit better the last, like the last two weeks, but those first two weeks when they won 06, I thought Vikla was like, there were some games where like Azir alts were just catching air, or he's just like anti-alting or like pushing up his ante at the wrong time. Uh, it's it's tough. Yeah, I checked. Uh, Ayla definitely won more games, so there you go. It's tough. Uh, I don't think Prince is playing well. I think like Impact's maybe the one playing closest to his spring form. There's yeah. some games where Speaker's fine, but there's also ones where he's not. Like Impact's just on Renekton duty, and I, I feel like there are very few games where like his Renekton's actually just been. Like game changing or game winning, um, yeah. Which it's not like he's playing bad on it. Like he's doing his job, but it's almost like being used as a band aid to make sure that like one lane doesn't lose. Yeah, I think uh, coaching staff. Obviously, if your team's collapsing, you deserve a look at. Song has had up and down history in America. There's some teams they seem to do well with him. There's some that do not do that well with him. I've heard from different orgs different levels of satisfaction with his coaching. So like you know. I, I, who can say? It's, it's a little bit of everything. This is one of those times I give you an unsatisfactory... Sometimes, Travis, in the blame game, when people ask me to assign blame, I give them a very uh, boner flop of an answer where I say, well, it's kind of everyone. People saying your audio's stuttering. I'm not sure why. Uh, just You're keep letting me know Twitch chat while things are going on. Um, he, he didn't glitch on my end, so I don't know. It must have been an exploit issue. I apologize. Um... Yeah, I just don't know. I I honestly feel like the FlyQuest stuff is um is bizarre. Uh it's really really weird. I mean, especially because the only change they made was Vulcan. I legitimately I feel like we have enough data on Vulcan to know that like he's not coming in and like wrecking this shit. Um and I I honestly think the biggest if 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 FlyQuest do not make playoffs, the biggest group they should blame is Dignitas. Because Dignitas is supposed to be down there with Immortals. And they've like seeded their spot and like moved all the way up the rankings. And so it it leaves a hole for FlyQuest to fall into where if they had, normally it, what what are we saying they're going to finish in standings? FlyQuest would be 6 and 12. I think How normally 6 and 12 would get you through because Dignitas would be sitting at like 5 wins or something like that. Travis, how, how can you blame Dignitas? How, how can you blame Dignitas? When you looked at this roster that Dignitas put together in spring, did you think that they would be the worst team in the LCS in spring? No, 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 no. I just mean as an org. Like, Dignitas as a brand is not meant to make playoffs, you know? They're not oh, doing see, their I job see. by actually succeeding. So, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be Immortals and Dig at the bottom, and they're they're missing their fucking note, you know? Well, Golden Guardians have been ruining that for a little while now. They're supposed to be terrible, too. They were good in spring. Everything's a little topsy-turvy. People thought TSM hey, would be Golden bad. Golden Guardians has been... Golden Guardians has been decent for several years now, right? Did they... Did Was there a year they... Nope. When was the last time they failed to make summer playoffs? I, was they haven't won year? more than 10 games in any regular season still. They, yeah, they, they still haven't done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But they always figure out a way to make playoffs. Until last season, yeah, but until last season, or last split, they had only won a single best of five playoff series ever. 
No, 100%. But we're just talking about the teams that are meant to fail to make playoffs. Dude, I'm, I'm and telling I think you, dig Golden Morals. Guardians is one of the perma bottom feeders who like turned it on for once. And has kept it on. Props kept them. it on. Yeah, they're great. Licorice has been yeah, really Yeah, for good years. For years, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, for years. Travis, is like, like Hunter in your DMs right now or something? He's, he's left the no, team. No, uh, one, Hunter's not even there anymore. Two, I know, that's what I said. when he's was good. the last he's time gone. that Golden Guardians didn't make summer playoffs? I mean, I don't know. Let's I'm be honest, pretty sure guys. like two years ago, probably. Let me Summer check. playoffs, it's eight teams. And if you're a seven and eight team, you have one life. It feels like a participation award. Like for real. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really hate uh, the eight team playoff system, by the way. I was yeah, they, they, they snuck in at they, they snuck in at eighth in 2021 and got three owed by C9 and went home. They took their ball and they went home and they, they showed up with a fucking four and thirty one. <laughs> A four and three. I am so record, confused. People are like shitting on me in Twitch chat and being like, he's so Golden Guardians price. He's trying to get a Golden I'm not saying that Golden Guardians are this like historically amazing team. I'm just saying they usually make playoffs. Is saying a team usually makes playoffs a like sign well, when, of some sort of incredible bias now? Is that where we've gotten yes, in the LCS? Yes, it is because because you're Eight trying to say that they are not what they're one of the historic bottom feeders of the LCS. Like they had been traditionally one of the bottom feeders. They had gotten multiple tenth places. You know, like they usually, like Cubby said, if they make playoffs, they sneak in and bust her out. It's not impressive. Like, you know, Immortals has done that. Dignitas, Dignitas has made playoffs plenty of times in spring all the time. Dignitas gets six and then loses in playoffs. <sighs> I have I struggle so much with the uh, the wiki system. Like, it's, I'm not great about navigating between like multiple seasons and splits and all that stuff. And I need to get better at this so that I could be like, yo, Dig normally doesn't make it or something. I don't know. Whatever. I, I'm telling I can't, you. I can't. I was, I was helping you out. I was saying 2021, they, they made playoffs with a with eighth place with a bad record. And uh, then they busted out and died. And in summer, yeah. they did the All same right, whatever. thing. They anyway, made we're eighth place with a 5 and 13. Yeah. We're talking about Point is, they're dead, they're dead in the water. They're, they're dead in the water. So we can I, declare FlyQuest out of playoffs, essentially, already? I mean, even if they do make playoffs, they're going to have one life, and that's a big deal as well uh, when it comes to going to Worlds. So, No, that's true, I, but I think, them, yeah. no, I think not making playoffs, like, it is embarrassing if they don't, if they get eliminated early in playoffs, but at least they made playoffs. Getting yeah. bottom two and not even yeah. make playoffs, 80% of this league gets through. That is like the biggest embarrassment of any team this year. Especially when you factor in uh, spending on that roster compared to the other ones that will get in above them. It's definitely a, a pretty big failure. Uh, if only there was yeah. this alternative to, to, to build rosters that did involve spending heavy money on these. Yeah. Your Challengers team is second right now. I, I, you know, Put them in. Them. Fuck yeah. it, this Props season's over. Faisal doesn't have a visa, unfortunately. Or else, you know, maybe. Cut them all. Put your all right. academy team in. Academy pulls double duty. They'll play academy and they'll play LCS. Work them to the bone. Rob, are you a are you a FlyQuest fan? It's challenging. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a, a fan now. Okay. So what do you? I guess the last question I'll make here is for of you is what do you think of all this? Like, what are the takeaways if you're right and FlyQuest doesn't make playoffs? Because you know you have the the position. I, we seem to think it's probably very likely. What is the what is the takeaway? Um, I mean, I might have a more positive takeaway. Mine is kind of like, don't give up on the players because even if they do terrible, there there's a lot of talent on the roster, and 
you know, Prince is great. You know, they, the LCS did the piece on him with his dad. Vulcan's been around forever. Just uh, don't give up on the players just because they're going to do bad. You know, that's my takeaway. Uh, I'll agree with that. I can see any of these guys next year having a great year. I Yeah. I I don't think the issues with FlyQuest, it's not pointed at any individual. It's just that it feels like they're playing five different games of League of Legends as a team of five. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much, Rob, for the call. Anything you want to say before we go on to the next caller? Uh, is this for shoutouts? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I kind of have a question. Mark, do you have a letterbox? Ooh. No, I don't. I'm, I really should log everything I watch better, but I don't. All right. Well, if you do make one, please tweet it out. That'll be my shout out. Also, uh, shout out Alienware, of course. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Uh, we've got time for another caller before we take a quick break. So if Mark wants to go grab them, already is. Uh, Magnarius, thank you for the one year. Spud Tugger, Fishy, uh, Zemelkai, uh, then Halo of Spores, Just Buckman, Poly 550, Lady Empire, Shauna Tonin, I Am Elvis, and a Squishy Marshmallow. We got Zemelkai here. Zemelkai, where are you calling from? Uh, I am calling from the United Kingdom. Uh, from the UK? Sorry, you're a little quiet. I'm going to turn you up. Go ahead. What's that? Uh, I'm calling from the United Kingdom. Um, United Kingdom. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, well, so I'm actually representing someone else's take. I'm representing Zom's uh, take. <laughs> but that, based on the success that we've seen NA Talent have this split, it looks like Orgs lied to us for years about it not existing. And this is a take that I also agree with, in that like, we've seen both just the entire EG roster, but then... As much as I was a Ruby hater, I don't think the insanity situation is quite fully fair and needs a bit more time to play out, but generally it does feel like there's been a weight of evidence of teams that have the like GM style of just how can we shoehorn in imports doesn't seem to be working, even to the extent that like Team Liquid have broken up TLCK to put in APA because Harry was having issues in mid lane and either got subbed out or subbed himself out. And so they've brought up, you know, their. Like, we. In, like, the talent is there in the tier two scene and is competing well enough. Um. How has it taken this long to happen? Let me tell you. So there was this terrible, terrible uh, thing called the NACL that uh, the teams were forced to compete in, and they ran their, their players in a system called Academy. And now that the Academy system is broken and teams have uninvested, these talented North American players are finally able to showcase the 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 bonds of the North American development system have loosened and freed them to to showcase how good they can be. Cubby, you agree, right? Based and agree. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, so we talked about this a little bit last 
uh, show, but it is interesting because it is popping up a lot in my interviews that are coming out this week to, to plug them. I have an interview with Insanity. We talked about it in the Double Lift interview. Um, and a couple other, um, Fudge and I talk about it, where it is, I, I almost feel like the more interesting conversation is, yes, this is very clearly the case. It's very clearly a trend that we're seeing demonstrated in the LCS this split. Will any of the people that make decisions around roster building notice going into next year? And that is where my faith is lacking. But I guess before we get to that part, Cubby, what, what do you think of this? Because uh, obviously you're in on the, the NA development side. What do you think of the fact that we're seeing players like APA pop up? And it's it's pronounced APA, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that, like, it's, in a, in a way, yeah, like, it always has been there. Like, I, I see, like, APA and Insanity doing well in LCS, and all I can think about is, like, it almost adds fuel as to why Copy retired. It was a player that I would say was on the same skill level of each of these players and decided to not start this split uh, when they, or not play anymore this split after he didn't get a starting spot for LCS. Uh, retired, which, yeah. Yeah, honestly, is like really sad. Um, but I know that Spawn's in the chat here, the head coach of TLC, and he said top of a CAD equals LCS. I don't care what anyone else says. Yeah, we were saying that last year, the TLA roster that did win both championships that had Harry and Yawn in it. Uh, along with Armeo and Ayla, were top six LCS if they did play. We thought they'd be like five six uh, as uh, you know an academy broadcast. Uh, looking at where the players are now, I really don't feel like that's too far off a take. Um, I think that there are good players that we have in challengers, and I think that something that for me was always disappointing in seeing a player like Copy never get promoted is that Copy for three splits in a row in our challengers league or academy always received nods for most valuable prospect and was like top four. Uh, mid top three or four mid at worst and that kind of player if you were at the top of that bracket the fact that he just never gets an opportunity to play or compete in lcs scrims or in lcs where you are getting a, a better practice environment as well like that is another step where all of a sudden all of your opponents get better and you are able to scale off of that and every level that copy played at showed that he was able to continue to scale and improve i, I think that like the fact that he was never given a nod. It was really frustrating to me. And seeing Insanity and APA do as well as they are now almost makes me feel like it adds more fuel as to why Copy retired because in a sense, he knew that he was good enough to play and, and do this. And he was just never given the opportunity and he was done with it. Um, I'm pretty bummed that like that's the case. There are other players further back. Everyone will mention Five Fire as another mid laner. I'm going to mention his teammate Value as they won the first ever Proving Grounds as an amateur team where they came in and beat all 10 LCS orgs in Proving Grounds as a roster, um, value was someone that like just never got a shot off that for whatever reason. He was a really good marksman back then. Um, yeah, I think that uh, people have been passed up on for a long time. And I think I'm really sad that it took players doing well in order to do that. Uh, and it's not just these guys, by the way. Uh, like Dokla came through the system again. He was an LCS pro, went back through the system and got a lot better from that. Armeo as well. Uh, Challengers and Academy was a place for him to keep on honing his skills. He was consistently top 10 in CQ, I said it was the biggest crime of the offseason that he didn't have a team after 2022 going into 23 spring. Look at him now in summer. Uh, it's not just because he coached Blabber. He was this good the entire time. Uh, so, yeah, it's really sad to uh, see players somewhat get passed up on. 
uh, yeah, they're there. It's just give them a chance. And guess what? You don't have to deal with visa issues or getting them to adopt to a new country and new surroundings if you do take NA players. Um, they're, they're here already. I think that's a big thing that a lot of teams don't think about and think, hey, we can have a staff around them where they get incorporated into a new lifestyle. It's just A-OK. That sometimes is flipping a coin on a player to make sure that they actually are able uh, to adapt to the lifestyle here. Uh, and that you really aren't flipping that coin when you take NA players. And that's another reason uh, that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really happy to see those guys doing well. And I'm going to continue to support a lot of the challenge players that I think are talented in the league that I cover too. Uh, they also don't need to be paid extra money to show up in theory, since they're already, you know, they're not in another league with other offered opportunities. They're here. You just get them. They, they also show up at the start of the split rather than three weeks in. Well, yeah, I think that's what Cubby meant too with the, uh, the no visa issues, no translators you need to get. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that in theory should, should make them more appealing. Um, but they're not for some reason. I think, uh, there's also, I don't know what the future of tier two is going to look like, but yeah, me neither. I, I do hope that there is more forced cross pollination between tier one and tier two in the sense Ooh. that like, whether that be players getting opportunities to play in tier one because they were successful in tier two and it's like subsidized somehow or like some way like heavily encouraged like this person wins, you know, tier two, they're fucking getting a spot or like they get to play against tier one and prove that they're better. Cause like something that would have made TLA probably a lot more enticing to people is if you watched them beat the shit out of not 10, nine, eight, seven, you know, of the LCS or whatever to prove Cubby's prediction right or wrong def definitively, you know, like yeah. whatever, whatever form it takes, I feel like I don't trust teams to Travis's point to have just learned their lesson this split or like maybe they did learn their lesson and then they, someone goes really hard on like a really young roster and they kind of get golden guardians when they went with Niles and stuff and like the, the players just weren't ready yet. And then they say, Oh, see, we should never have tried this. This was dumb. They just like oscillate between the two. I feel like, um, yeah, I and, want the system to encourage it and not just rely on teams to have learned their lesson in air quotes. And what Spawn's saying is that LCS teams knew we were good. Yeah, like uh, we knew that behind the scenes too, but uh, fans don't then get to realize that too. I think the cross-pollination is interesting. I do want to say that in the changes for Challengers League, they did highlight that there is an opportunity for a potential America's League tournament that would kind of be like a Caspa Cup in a sense where you do have some younger teams that play. I think that would be a really cool opportunity to have in the winter split because I'm looking at my schedule and our finals are on August 9th and we don't compete until whatever Challengers League looks like next split. Also, I think that more content creators coming in has actually gotten a lot more eyes on Challengers as well. Like Disguise being in the league has been really good for us. Uh, and I'd rather have an org like Disguised in than TSM because TSM didn't give their team a freaking... Uh, so Disguise actually supported his players more than TSM did uh, compared from last split to this split. Uh, so I think more... Uh, Orgs that want to invest and are able to invest in the talent that might get more eyes on it would be really good uh, for NACL moving forward as well. Counterpoint, the Team Liquid stance that the Development League did not do enough to develop talent is proven by Harry having to go down there and get replaced by some scrub named APA. You know, like it's, uh, it's very clear that the Development League isn't developing talent. I mean, I, I guess I can't argue with that, you know. Uh, in fact, TL, it's not like they got their dream scenario from that video of the one-year-and-done player. They actually accelerated that with APA, you know. That's, uh, they hit their KPI. I blame <sighs> This shit just makes me so tilted. Um, but I, I think, 
I here's why I part of me remains a little hopeful. I do think teams are. So I have this video I want to do. I was going to do it last Friday, and then uh, Drew and my schedule didn't line up. Where I just wanted to talk about how how trying to win at any cost cost LCS everything. I think it's like the title or something like that. Saying cost twice might not work. Whatever. Still workshopping it. But the concept is that all this money flooded in and you had GMs and folks who were like, oh man, all these good players are in these other regions. We have to go spend, spend, spend. They come over here. Oh, those players didn't work out. We got to go and get different players from other regions. Spend, spend, spend. And people know that I've talked about the boomerang thing a ton on the show. Um, but also I think that that also incentivized teams to not invest in the development. And the effect was you had players rotating in and out of the league. So you lost fandom because you had no consistency of faces. You lost investment into development, which has already further been decreased this year. And you created an environment where like people we're not even seeing faces that they'd seen for a while or hometown heroes, et cetera, that they could root for that would go fail at worlds. They would just see like a team drop a ton of money on players from another league, which feels kind of to some desperate and then watch that team go zero six anyway. And that I think ironically, this idea of like, we care about winning so much that we're going to do anything we can. You like, try to do too many shortcuts and you lose the point of the league. And that's what I think has led to so much. Obviously there are multiple reasons, but so much of the viewership degradation over time. And, um, and I think there is a world here where the opposite ends up happening, or we end up in kind of a reverse system, right? Where teams start to throw in the towel, which normally would sound not good, right? Um, but I think what could end up happening is you have teams that are like, all right, fuck the LCS, we out. You know, maybe we have to maintain the spot. We're going to pay a GM to just find some folks. We're not spending money on lawyers to like bring v- to get players visas and move them over here and all this stuff. Just you know, essentially do what EG did um, and say like, all right, whatever. We just have to run this. And then surprise, surprise, the players start to work out and. Hopefully, you know, those players stick around in the league for a while and can start to have fandom built around them. And yep. you you end up in a world where, like, the, the league starts to heal itself a little bit because, ironically, everyone stopped this mentality of win at any cost. I so, also, I don't know. also want to pitch that Kelsey Moser, the head of coaches over at EG, uh, when I talked to her about this roster, she said this Not is the, head, the coach, of, head of coaches. Yeah. She said, this is the type of roster that I've really always wanted to run because it is a group of players that were unproven but talented that she felt like could be a good team. And uh, to her and EG's credit, they're 9-3 and three and doing really well right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I am... I'm just hopeful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm skeptical and hopeful somehow at the same time where... I worry that team owners and team ownership are not capable of reading the room and looking at the results for this year and making decisions accordingly. Um, but I am hopeful that they will be forced to 
because of economic and market conditions, which is yeah, so fucking funny, right? But here, here we are. I don't know, Mark. What do you think about all of this? Uh, no, I think we need to buy a couple more imports, and you're all fucking idiots. I mean, Noah could have came to NA. That would have been pretty sick. He's doing pretty good over there in Fnatic. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, caller, thank you so much, Zamelkai, for the call. Anything that you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Uh, yes. Uh, first shout out: Bungo Stray Dog Season Five starts literally tomorrow, and I need Mark to watch it because I need his thoughts. And I've read the manga, and it's gonna go so hard. Uh, and then the other shout out: uh, Cubby already kind of did this, but E.G. I was a JoJo Homer before he came up. Uh, in that off season, I remember it being talked about how like he almost got passed over, and it like had to be convinced to bring him in. Um, and I'm so glad that he's back on form this season. I have an outstanding bet that he's going to win a best of five at Worlds with a friend. He's going to get it for me this year. Um, I I fully believe. Um, and I'm so glad to see the rest of the EG squad popping off as well. It may have cost me Kelsey Moza LPL co-streams, but that is a sacrifice that I will take to see Revenge thrive. Very good. Thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now to talk about Alienware. I know that I have talked about this previously. Uh, but I just want to let you continue to let you guys know that Black Friday in July is currently happening. Alienware product, reliable tech at affordable prices. Alienware.com slash Travis. Go check it out. Uh, they have awesome deals going on all the time because of uh, Black Friday in July. I keep seeing them. I follow some deal websites and I keep seeing all these Black Friday uh, deals or Black Friday in July deals pop up. Uh, up to $500 off. Uh, Black Friday in July, limited deals live now. And uh, members, by the way, get double rewards until 7-20, uh, July 20th. I mean, right now, even I'm looking at an Alienware M17 R5 gaming laptop. They have these flash deals that go on. And uh, so this might not be available if you're listening to this as a VOD, but if you're listening to it live, you can get an Alienware M17 gaming laptop. Uh, this thing, normally 2349 99 cents marked down to 1,199 and 99 so 49% savings on that machine. They have uh, their 34 curved QD OLED, which I love this monitor. That's the one that I have on my desk at home. That thing is marked down. Uh, they have all sorts of deals going on all the time. So go check out uh, Black Friday in July. Power your perfect summer over at alienware.com slash Travis. And if you do purchase anything, I know a lot of people come in there like, oh, Travis, what's the code that I enter in the back end so that people know? Or, oh, Travis, I, I bought this and I want to make sure they know. Here's the trick. If you want to help support the content that we make, make sure if you're going to purchase something, you do so at alienware.com slash Travis. If you just type that link in, then you can navigate however you want around the site, through the Alienware site, through the Dell site, any of that. They will know that you purchased it because you listen to this show or you watch my content, etc. There's a link in the description over at uh, the YouTube channel if you're watching this. I think it also makes it into the Spotify description, all that stuff. Um, so please continue to do that. 
but thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Really love having them as a partner. And again, be sure to check out those amazing deals over at Black Friday in July. All right, we're ready for the next caller. Mark is off to go grab him. We've got uh, D, uh, Rock, who is Brock, I believe, giving a thousand bits. Really appreciate it. Stizzle, Swizzle, uh, Stizzle Swick for the Prime and Cozy Coffin as well. Thank you, everybody, for the subs. Uh, the summer is often a time where viewership and sponsorship and all that stuff kind of lags for a little bit, so I do really appreciate all the subs. All right, we have Bustio here. Bustio, where are you calling from? Uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And uh, normally I would ask you know, what your take is, but can you also provide some context? What do you do for a living? Oh, yeah. So I'm Boosio, guys. I played for Evil Geniuses Valorant in the Franchise League. Um, we just got second at Tokyo for the best team in the world. Um, yeah. Very good. Ed, what is your take for the show tonight? Um, based on like my own experiences the past like seven months, I've been on EG, like uh, hanging out with the league players and just around like uh, the whole scene. I've just like heard through the grapevine like some of the work ethic and passion and uh, stuff like that has been like really weak from NA the past like five years or longer or a very long time. And I've been a fan of League for a very long time as well. So when I heard it, it surprised me. It can surprised you, you, you why? Share... Oh, sorry. What's up? Why, why do you say it surprises you? Just because you've been around people or can you provide a little um... context on why do you find it surprising? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I've been playing uh, professionally uh, since I was, like, 16. I played in Overwatch, and then I've been playing Valorant since 2020. And, like, the hours I heard that they, like, practice in a team environment was, like, the most disgusting shit I've ever heard. Like, it just sounded way too easy. Like, um, I heard that they practice from, like, not this year, but in years prior. I heard, like, practice could last for, like, four or five hours. And, like... My practices since I've been a pro have been nowhere near that. They've been a lot longer hours, and it uh, just surprised me. All right, uh-huh. gotcha. Um, so, yeah, there, there's the 12 to 5 system right now. Yeah. Which got, I, was, I criticized that a lot this last offseason, and I think that conversation, combined with some people who agreed with me, were able to get it back to 12 to... Uh, seven with like two three hour blocks and a thing in the middle uh which is like some reset time and people players and other staff apparently hate that so i think i think it's going back to 12 to 5 if it's not completely already there for all the teams um some teams are a night blocking since it's gotten compressed with like the weird scheduling stuff but but generally speaking you are correct that uh organized team activities in terms of scrims are 12 to 5 i think there's like meetings before and meetings after and so it usually bloats up from there but in terms of like time you spend playing in a game with your teammates is yeah you know maybe three or four hours a day yeah that's just so insane to me because since i've been like even in high school i was doing like at least eight like or like seven when it comes to actually playing together and like full-on practicing in the game and when i heard league players like just at least any league players did not play as much as i thought it i could definitely see why we suck dick at worlds and msi <laughs> travis okay how so can you tell me so as how a can you tell as me a to valorant... believe in north american talent 
And then, you know, Busio is going to come in here and he's going to tell us that our NA talent is actually trash and they don't try. <laughs> Real and they quick, suck dick. I have been, like I said, I've been watching League for a long time and I used to be the most like optimistic, like TL's going to win it or C9 will win it. And over the past, like, I've been watching since 2013, 2014, and they have just shit the bed every year and it hasn't been closed in so many years that I just have no hope anymore. Um, insanity. So this is, this is says, what's happened. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Valorant requires less brain power to play more hours, honestly. And I also hear you clicking a lot, which sounds like you're, you're potentially playing right now. You're playing such a simple it's game aimbot? that you can be distracted. Is it aimbot or is he actually playing a game right now? Maybe, no, maybe I, Valorant's just so easy that you can turn your brain off and play. No, I definitely think um, League is a million times harder. I don't know if it's because, you know, like, I am an FPS pro, so it just seems easier. But I do agree that I think League takes a lot more brain power. I think League players in general, they take a lot more brain power to deal with as well in, like, solo <laughs> So, like, I think playing League is definitely a lot harder. But, I don't know. Pros need to play way more, I think. To be honest, for context, then I mean, you guys just took second uh, over in Tokyo, which was a really impressive run. I I don't watch much Valorant, but I I watched your guys' both sets against Fnatic, which was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, but what was your practice schedule like over there, Uh, or like what's it like on the day to day for you as a Valorant Um, pro? Yeah, so day to day would be um, wake up at nine or however whatever time you want to wake up, and we start practice at ten. And then we'll, we'll do uh, like a VOD review, server review, talk about the game Theorycraft for two hours until 12. And then 12 to 3, then break for one hour, and then practice from 4 to 7. So it's 10 to 7. Okay. But that's also Thanks. like, I'm not trying to make excuses for North American players, but we are comparing, That's your, that was your Japan schedule, right? No, no, no. We've been doing that for seven months. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, how many days off do you have? You said one, one day a week. After Don't worry, I... man. We we have Astralis who has six months off, so I wonder what they're going to do in that time. You know. I mean, dude. You... Uh, what's up? Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I was going to say, do you feel yourself burning out at all? Like how how oh. tough has the schedule been for you? I am so burnt out. It is insane. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm definitely, I am on the side of uh, a lot of practice can be really bad, but if you don't practice enough, I think that can be even worse. But so far, if you win in Valorant, it's just like League, if you win, you're just playing in all these tournaments. And so we've been playing straight for the last seven months, and it's hard without like a real break. So I'm definitely more on the burnt out side than like uh, feeling good side. But uh, but don't you have uh, champions? Is it champions? Yep. yep. Coming up? Yeah. Yep. So is it month. bad that you're burned out like what a month before champions hits? Um yeah, I think it fucking sucks, but what can you do? <laughs> We're pro players, we just have to keep playing. That's um, true. I okay. I'm not trying to defend the LCS stuff. I am just saying <laughs> there's like a, a balance here, right? And I am worried that like you could end up suffering perhaps losses at champions. Hopefully not, you know. But yeah. that, that you wouldn't suffer if you weren't burned out. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, but I think it's the way that Riot schedules it, to be honest. Like, because as soon as LCQ's over, I mean, more than half the NA teams are going to be done for five months, just like Astralis is in League. Like, the season is not like uh, throughout the whole year. It's kind of just jam-packed, and it, it just, no matter what, if you win, you're going to be burned out. But um, now we get to the, the real meat of this, which is the villain in all of this. is no not the NA players, Riot. but Riot no Games. No one cares about Riot Games. Snoozer topic. Here's, here's the real question. What happens when China decides they love Valorant and they put the full weight of their esports machine behind it with their 100 million player count from League and stuff, and it goes on 10 years without North America winning a title boost? Yeah, will you still be putting in the hours then? China will never be better than NA, for one, in Valorant. Ooh. Oh, my China. God. No, no, no. Let's China, go. China or, uh, I mean, I think some Korean teams can do it. But the reason I say this is because I think for League, like, it's back to my first point, is that I don't think these players have been playing it, like, since the game came out, they haven't been playing enough in practice when all these Korean players have been playing for 10 years a shit ton of scrims, and they haven't done it. <laughs> Travis and I, I are I get both to clip this again. It's, it's, the, I, it's happening again. History repeats I itself. I get to this clip this. Find the double if take, Travis. Put, play them back to back. But Boostio. What's up? What's up? Boostio, you have just up? made me so much money a couple years from now, and I really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> you don't know this, but... Back in, I have a, a video uh, from State of the League back in 2011 when Double Lift said, Oh, yeah, there's no way the Korean teams are ever to catch up to EU and NA. And I said, like, Why do you think that? Isn't that bold? He's like, No, no, because no, we've just been playing for longer. Like, their server's just coming on now. Like, they can't catch up. We're way ahead. And it just aged so fucking poorly, and that clip does so much for me. And so I just appreciate you so much giving me the Valorant version. That is so good. No, but my version's a hundred percent fact. I promise you. Because these, we will actually grind. We will make sure these Chinese teams will never be close to us. Only the Chinese. I think the Korean teams could do damage. I think any of the Asian teams could do damage. But China's three years behind, and. I mean, if we play enough, they will not be... I don't think they'll be close to us. I, uh, I've i never been more the invested revenue. in the future of Valorant than than I am right now. <laughs> I, I respect it. I come in here, flame League pros for not practicing enough, and then saying you're going to stuff China no matter what happens. No, we forward. will. That, we that will is know. a hell of a take. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here, let's, let's throw it a cubby in, Mark. Do you guys think League pros in North America are not practicing enough? Um, I think that teams could do more work in the offseason because I've never heard of a structured offseason. And when I talk to some good coaches, uh, that, or at least coaches that I perceive to be good uh, across the space, they always talk about how they actually want some more time in the offseasons to actually work with their teams and make sure that they can pick up things from there. So like what Bustio is talking about, playing seven months straight, I don't think a single LCS team does. And I can guarantee you that Astralis is probably not scrimming right now. Uh, so I, I think there actually is a lot of value uh, in what Boosty is talking about. Um, also, uh, I mean, I, at one point, I, I tried to be a pro league player. Fun fact. Uh, I was never good enough, but I did play 10 games a day and put 10 hours into this, and I burned out within seven months. Uh, so, 
Uh, the fact that you you know keep on going at the WR is pretty impressive and not easy to do. Uh, but I think that yeah, like I think that more structured off seasons should be good. Spawn saying that TL went to EU all the off season. I mean, it shows, right? Like they actually played much better coming back into LCS this time around. I don't yeah. think the majority I, of the teams do that though. Spawn. Can I say something real quick before we continue? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, I would like to say just before we talk about anything more. Um, I did hit uh, 300 uh, LP Masters this season. So when I shit talk Ooh. league players, yeah, when I shit talk. Me. When I should talk league players is because, uh, like, I actually think that, like, on my own opinion, that they're just dog shit. And, and, like, and this game changes every two weeks, and you're still fisting yep, them yep. as a I pro and something else. Holy yep. cow. Okay. I, I hit it, like, in, like, yeah, March or April, and then I had to quit, like, mid-season because I was playing too much league and not enough Valorant. So I was, like, the streaming, moment. like, like nine hours a day, and then I'd get back home and play league for, like, three or four hours. All right, so yeah, you actually have the, the, the Gomsu, the, the Gomsu yeah. of Valorant. Oh yeah, he was uh, an Overwatch player. Uh, for, for yeah, yeah. no. Um, so I think to answer your question, Travis, yes, because there there are teams like like uh, Busio is saying is that like all the successful teams in league also like play eight months straight, basically from January until Worlds. Like C9 is going to do it. They've been playing nonstop, basically. You don't get a break if you're <laughs> successful because um, you just have to do all the all the things. Um, I think that aside, I don't, Zven did an interview this past week that I think echoes my feelings a lot, which is like a lot of people, some, some portion of people in NA treat it as sort of a nine to five, uh, and C9 does not, they're grinders. It sounds like they, they put in the most hours. You can have solo queue trackers. A lot of teams have this, you know, like you can see the kinds of games, the number of games that people are playing. Um, and I don't think it's like particularly yeah, particularly impressive to their peers in other regions and even potentially in other games according to Bustio here you know like i think it I, the, the the argument i've always made and even this gets pushed back is like they work harder than most people do um and people get really butt mad anytime i say this and but it's just the truth numerically in terms of hours yeah but imagine like a garbage truck driver mark or like Bro, a, a I, forklift I, their job's better they play video games and they do blah blah it's like i'm not talking about qualitative i'm not saying anything i'm not saying anything they're they're paid better i'm not saying anything i'm just saying in terms of hours they are objectively hardworking people uh but if you're trying to be the best in the world at something or trying to win uh and you look at what their peers are doing they are on the lower end of league of legends professional players um in major regions yeah that is that is objectively true and so like if I can admit that they're hardworking by one metric, I can also admit that they are not hardworking by another metric. Um, and I think uh, there's there's truth to that. I think I, I've always said you have to have a pretty insane level of hubris to think that you can post the same results without putting in the same work as your opponent. If you think like you must think you're you must think you're so much smarter than them that you can work less hard and still expect results, or you just don't actually expect the results and you're not being honest. But one of the two. I do have a question for you, Bustio. What like yeah. what kind of structure is there for some of the teams that do get eliminated early uh, in these events? Like, do you think that are they scrimming during the off season? Are there like a bunch of in houses that you guys play? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what 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 goes on for teams you, that get eliminated early? Are you talking about like uh, like like the really bad teams? Like, yeah, yeah, speaking? yeah. Um, I don't really know because I'm not really like close friends with a lot of these teams, but I. Like I think Sentinels put out a tweet, or a couple of the Sentinels players took posted a tweet about um, a lot of these pro teams are literally not practicing, even though LCQ is coming up in like three weeks, which that's like the most important thing that they can play on to make champs. So some of these teams maybe were slacking, 
and um, Sentinels was not, according to some of the tweets. So um, I don't know for like the lower like some of these teams what they're doing, but yeah, I don't know. I also just want to point out that I know you you were saying twelve to five, right, Bustio? Yeah, that's what I heard for the league players. Because like we we consistently have a hard time booking pro players on the show because they're doing night blocks, and so like tonight. I'd much rather have had Insanity on than Cubby. And trust me, I tried to make that happen. But <laughs> Insanity's like, yeah, we've been doing all these night blocks, and so we can't do, like, uh, almost every week we're doing, or he's like, we're always doing night blocks. And so I do think it's not, I don't want people to go out there thinking that most teams are doing 12 to 5 or that that's indicative of what's going on. Because, like, if it was 12 to 5, we'd have a lot more pro players available on the show so they they are doing Travis, a lot of they're stuff. too they're, they're too lazy to show up for the show wait wait, wait oh, insanity's in the chat right now never mind he's not working he's, he's probably he's been, been in the chat fighting. this whole time i thought from what i heard though look when my starting point was that this year that the schedule changed to make it where the hours were longer is that true or not true? Do you know? It's it's true, and it was it was very contentious. A lot of people did not like the change to more. And then I don't. I think in summer they went back to twelve to five, but everyone's doing a night block now because the the season got compressed. Um, so you know, historically you're you're more right, Bustio, but maybe not exactly. Maybe he's still in scrims right now, and he's just also yeah. listening to Hotline League. Also, there's no way. <laughs> I also know that some of the. Just kidding. Some of the good teams that might have been struggling were really doing a lot of night blocks, and a lot of teams were motivated to scrim them in night blocks as well. As I know, a couple of our challengers teams have actually, as their schedule, they play competitive matches when the LCS teams have their practice days. So I know some of them actually do night blocks after their comp matches to try and scrim LCS teams. Uh, so I always like when our challenger teams are able to do that. So yeah. uh, last question, Busio, how much uh, like solo queue do you play? Like you finish your your, your night, you, you finish your team activities and then you just go home and grind more um i i would definitely i will definitely say that like compared to some of my teammates i don't play the most ranked at all on my team like but some of my teammates like uh demon one and jogamo they are like streamers and they like to stream after practice mm -hmm. and they will put in like i think jaw i think the season started like i don't know like 10 days ago or something like the new act and he put like a hundred games in. We had our we had a break recently, like a five day break. And on that five day break, he put like a hundred games in, which for Valorant is like a shit ton. Demon won the same way. He streams every night for like six hours, even after the ten to seven. And so he puts in like hundreds of games every act, which is like fifty days. So I'm probably towards the middle of the pack when it comes to like pro players playing rank. But my teammates, some of them play a shit ton. Uh. Hey, Bustio, there was a player that just got promoted to LCS. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you play a lot of League, so I'm going to just throw a number by you. If I told you that APA played 1,200 games of solo queue uh, between all of his accounts on top of all the scrim days, would you find that somewhat impressive slash hardworking? Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, that's part of why I always rooted for APA. That This guy, he, he plays a lot of League. So, yeah, good yeah. to see him do well. How unpopular... Are you going to be with your EG League of Legends friends uh, for this call if they find out about it? Oh, I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure they won't mind, but I was going to say something too. Uh, fucking, yeah. who, I think I was listening to your last caller. You said, jo I mean, I love Jojo to death. He's a great fucking guy. And he's the GOAT. But there ain't no goddamn way he's winning a best of five at Worlds. There ain't no goddamn way. 
Good, good you, to you hear. Are, good to hear. Okay, you are my Fair, new favorite. I will caller, say, and I'm a fan of Valorant now. <laughs> That's what I was gonna Mel say. Melted. It's so <laughs> Wait, crazy. Revenge is in chat. Oh fuck, Revenge is here. <laughs> the uh, the the funniest thing about this is it's not enough that Riot had to like move. LCS off the weekends, give that to Valorant, etc. We now have Valorant players invading League of Legends content to be like, yo, fuck these LCS players, they're lazy shit, you know. Travis, Travis, we should thank him for showing up. He's carrying, Valorant's carrying our content too. Where where are the LCS pros for this show? I don't know, but somehow the EG Valorant pros can show up for it. That is funny, Insanity. Cough insanity, cough revenge. No, but I I do kind of I kind of do feel a little bit like a fraud because for the past like two months I haven't been able to watch uh, the league season. So like for the new uh, e- EG roster, I honestly haven't watched that many of their games. In the, uh, for the last five years, I've watched every game for the you know all season. But since I've been in franchising, it's kind of harder for me to catch games because they go on during practice. So I kind of do feel like a little bit of a fraud um, for the whatever split this is in summer. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, JoJo's going to win first. MVP, so... Yeah, JoJo's the yeah, fucking yeah. goat. He is the he, goat. He's averaging, like, one right, take. How are you going to do in champions? Um, I honestly... I've been saying it. I think we're going to be top two again. I think it's just us and Fnatic are the best. Fantastic. Hey, Looking forward to seeing... I'll go to champions. Sure got... I'll interview you there. Yeah, but yeah, everyone has, have your clips ready for five years from now when China's won <laughs> three straight majors. They won't. I pro- I'll, I'll give you $1,000 if they win three straight majors. Clip that okay. too. I'll take that bet. Five years. <laughs> Thanks so much, Boostio. Anything you want to shout out? Um, I've been a big fan of you guys for a long time, so thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was, it was, It's really fun. I mean, I enjoyed the EG story as I, I was learning about it from, from Val where... I, I just remember seeing, I, I haven't watched a lot of the games, but I remember seeing like, oh, Potter might get uh, kicked and the team, what's going on with EG? They're supposed to be good, blah, blah, blah. And then just hearing like the story of the Cinderella story of you guys going so far and then making it to, to finals. It's been really fun to sort of follow from the sidelines. So then, then upon hearing that you, I tweeted that night, I think when you were in Japan, yeah. Like, oh, you know, I'm really enjoying the story. And then you replied, said something like Big Bad or interview me or something like that. I just thought it was, it was really, you know, I was honored after hearing the story of, of you guys and how far you guys had done, gone to hear that you also like the content. So thanks so much for the call. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully we get you on again in the future. You can just continue to show up and flame League of Legends players. I'll absolutely be down. Thank you guys so much for having me. I hope you guys have a good night. Yeah. And best of luck this off. Best, best of luck at Champions. Yeah. Catch you later. Thank you. Peace. That was super fun. That was. Fun. I I love every now that we get hotline league co- moments like that, where it's just something you would never expect. Um, and I I really I really love that. It was cool that I I got a message late last week from, um, somebody over at EG who was saying uh, he had said that uh, Bustio was a big fan and uh, wanted to to call in. I was like, yeah, come up with some take. And boy, did he come up with a take. All right. Yep. Uh, hey, all I gotta say is, if EG ends up doing anything, uh, whether that's LCS or Worlds, you know, Revenge and EG, you better be chirping the Val boys too. Now, you, you got to get them back, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. All right, uh, Mark, you ready for next the next caller? caller? All right, thank you to 
Swede be good for gifting a sub. <laughs> SLC Soy Boy, uh, George Zulu, and then Profit Guru gifted a sub to Boostio. I'm sure he will really appreciate having that sub. That's fantastic. Uh, Revenge says, uh, I'll be here when China takes over Valorant. There we go. Love it. Love it. That's a good way of, <laughs> of putting it. All right. We've got our next caller here. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, Kyo Kyo, and I'm calling from Montreal, Canada. Montreal, Canada. You called in before, before correct? Uh, yeah, I called once during MSI when it was in EU, I think, last year. Yeah. Well, glad glad to have you returning to the show. What do you want to talk about? Uh, my take was basically that the best of one format in NA is really outdated and kind of boring in a viewer perspective. And Ooh. I'd much rather watch just the best of three of Korea and LPL than what do we have right now. All right. It's been a while since we've had the best of one versus best of three take on. I assume that's why you pulled it, Mark. Yes. All right. Why don't you elaborate, caller? Why do you think? Why do you want best of two or best? Or sorry, you said best of three or best of five, right? Uh, yeah, best of two or best of five. Both are better than Bo One, in my opinion. the The main problem right. I feel with best of yeah, one is that there are so many games that are just stomps, and because of those in the name, like especially like the C Nine and TL games. You just feel like you, you, the game is over in the draft, and you realize that like there's a incredible goal lead at like ten minutes, and there's no point watching. And if they could have a run back, it'd be more interesting, and it also allows you to draft differently the next games. So, just because of that, it, it feels a bit weird that we're watching best of one still. And just in general, like when you play league solo queue, you play tons of game. You play clash. You play more games than pro players on stage. It just feels like in every aspect of league. You would play multiple games in a row, but pro players just go on stage, play one game, and maybe there's a weird draft, and it's just over, and they go next. Uh, all right. I do you do you watch all the games from those other regions? Like, I'm curious if you pick and choose the the matches because I I feel like that's it's hard to watch. Look, I, I've said this on the show previously. I think three days of LCS is too much, and I'm feeling like we're feeling like a lot this split, where it's just like 15 hours of, of the LCS. And I worry that even in a world where you killed two teams from the league, which is a big if, and then you tried to switch to best of threes or best of fives, and then you didn't do a dual stream, which seems to be like what... Even, even the advocates for best of threes and best of fives seem to think that like the viewership... Uh, created in the past when we did best of threes because of dual streams you just create so much lcs content and i i worry if you think there's not an issue or i wonder if you don't worry that there'd be an issue there where you just suddenly have like so much lcs content oftentimes very mixed match games of best of threes or best of fives between these teams i definitely think it's a risk that can happen but i think also I, from my personal experience, I'm already skipping LCS games anyway. Like I'm like, oh, why am I gonna watch like one game between like two bottom tier teams? Like I'm not gonna like go out of my way to watch one game between uh, just like Immortals and NRG or something like that, or Immortals FlyQuest. So like, if I'm gonna skip the best of one, at least I'd rather have when I watch, I have better content. I have a best of three from two good teams. Then about that one? Gotcha. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I you, you get best of threes between bad teams too. Uh, so yeah, I assume I'll, that you're just going to skip those. Right, exactly. You, I, yeah. I would already skip the best of one, so I'll skip the best of three. But when I really want to watch a marquee matchup, so two really good teams going at it, like TL or EG or C9, 
I'd rather have a better viewing experience for the good matchups than just have a possible RNG draft or a stomp that oh the one good matchup this week we was kind of pointless to watch anyway. Uh, what what do you think about the LEC format, which is a bit of a hybrid where you play the single round robin and then you get an eight team bracket with the best of threes? Uh, I think I like it better. The only thing that LEC is kind of weird is that like some team get like Australia's get like a six month off season because they're out so quick. That's kind of the only part I don't like, but I, I still think it's kind of better than LCS at this point. Okay. Uh, the, the reason I ask right. is that like I think Pretty one of the limiting fun. factors is actually just studio time. Uh, like Riot has a really big studio here in LA, and they're splitting it with multiple games. Uh, that studio is like, for someone who's worked there, I mean, there is a lot of people behind the scenes that do really good work uh, for LCS, but also, you know, cost money to run, whether it's security or just production people. Um, if I, if you're going to go best of threes where it's not dual streamed and you want to have everything in studio, that would be unrealistic, I think, for LCS to actually shift towards that, just given cost and time for Valorant, unless they got like a secondary satellite studio, pretty much. Um, so it's like from back end, I feel like that'd be pretty tough. What I will say is I like best of threes and also I will plug challengers. I think that best of two, my fans are going to hate this. I actually think that having one game on each side of the rift is the best way to like play league in a regular season. I really do. Uh, it's same patch. Uh, you can actually get a game on each side or at least choice of side twice, which I think is even because uh, sometimes you get patches where it's like 70% win rate on blue side. Uh, then you know each team gets a blue side game. It's interesting uh, and okay for broadcast. Um, I think best of threes. I, I think the adaptation is good, and best of ones prevent teams from making riskier strategies. They encourage teams to make more foolproof strategies, which I think hurts uh, teams in the long haul because we've seen in challengers that teams that I think teams that play forward and try and make plays always end up scaling in best of threes because they do know how to take risks and get out of drafts that aren't as good sometimes, or can break drafts that are good by making plays early. Uh, so I, I, I do think that like best of one hurts in that aspect. And from a competitive standpoint, I do like best of threes. I don't know how LCS would be able to execute it. That's why I, I like the LEC format because you get a little bit of a hybrid between the two. I, uh, I gotta say it's, it's interesting seeing Twitch chat and kind of turn on the LEC format um yeah i like it and maybe maybe this is a just our north american fans Dude, do you remember when they sure. flamed us you and i got flamed at the beginning of the year for like being like well we should maybe give the lac a little more time before we decide we want it in lcs and people were so pissed at us and now look now look at them look at well, all that's these why I'm, I'm, I'm checking to see if this is fake data if i'm getting anecdotal evidence by like the current group of people but like how is the eu uh format still being received in europe right now by european fans because I think there is some troll shit to it, like I uh, like the the really long breaks and stuff. Um, I but I know people are really mad about championship points. I know people are a little mad about the three split things. So like, I'm not quite sure how it's held up over the course of the year to their fans. I can see the one live event event being a frustration for EU fans too. Uh, yeah. But I still think the basis of the single round robin into an eight team bracket is actually really fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of like play this preliminary stage, knock out the two worst teams, and get on with like yeah. more interesting formats. I think that's kind of cool. But the three split thing and some of the other things about it, I do think are maybe not the best. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's it's just interesting because people were so positive on it at the start, and my thing was like, well, I just want to see what it does to viewership. I mean, 
the viewership, uh, it doesn't actually seem that bad now that we're, we're in the middle of summer. I've, I've been tracking theirs as well as ours. And like, you know, it dropped from like 270 average in spring to like we're at 170 now, I think, in, or yeah. in winter to, to summer, which, but that's like maybe comparable ish to what it would have been anyway. So we'll see where it ends, but it doesn't seem terrible. But yeah. I, I like it. I, I always th- actually thought like my favorite tournament format in MOBAs is actually um, Dota, like Dota 2, the international. They go from the 18 teams with the two groups of nine. You play uh, every team in that group of nine. And then that's how you get seated into the bracket. So top four get two lives, bottom four get uh, one life, and then the bottom team of each group gets eliminated. It's a really fun way to get a lot of global matchups and to get those out of the way and then actually have a bracket from that, which I really like the idea of. Two, two birds with one stone for you. Take those two teams that get eliminated and so that they don't have a fucking massive offseason and you want this cross-pollination between Tier 1 and yeah. Tier 2, yeah. boom, you two play Improving Ground or whatever the fuck it's going to be called next year. Yep. The other eight get go move on and keep playing in other things. And I would also kill the third phase of the thing. I think it's really weird that you get these GSL groups into like this. Like, I think it gets overly complicated. Like, okay, you have this first best of one round robin thing, but then you also have the best of three groups into like an actual tournament playoff. Like, that, that's just too much. I would just go from like preliminary phase to main phase is like how I, I would yes, phrase it. I agree. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's probably something I would look into. I continue to not be a fan of best of two best of three best of five for regular season i do like the idea of rushing towards and some sort of extended playoffs yes i think if you if you can eliminate some of the not so great teams if you can make it so that you're not sitting here and doing eight or nine weeks i think that's good i so i i would like that i don't know I don't know. I think I think I like the LEC format, but I needed I need the massive problems that I think it has to be fixed. Like I yeah. really don't like only one event a year. That feels really bad. Um I think, you know, teams having such long breaks is really not great. I think there's just a lot of issues that go along with it. So I think there are ways to make the best of ones feel exciting. I think there are ways to get to these, like a a big playoff or something like that bracket faster. But I just am not a huge fan of of the way they've approached it with LAC, I guess is what I would say. I don't don't want to go down a rabbit hole either with this too, but at the moment, one of the issues that I've had is I actually think that there are too many patches right now in the league. Like the game's kind of hard to follow. And I think from a viewership standpoint, so someone that views it and doesn't play the game, because like I don't play the game that much. I think I have like 70 games of solo queue this split. Um, I would rather see a tournament where there like there are two phases, like what Mark was talking about, but have one patch for like the best of ones and then another patch for playoffs, and that's it. Uh, I, I actually think that elongated patches would force teams to improve more because you have to deal with shit that's OP and figure out like ways to actually you know, deal with that. But it feels like Riot updates the game too fast to appease the masses and to keep it, like, ever-changing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, like, it's either play on live patch or I would rather have way less patches uh, when it comes to comp play. Because I, I actually think that the figuring out, like, how to play a patch is very intriguing and, honestly, my favorite part about Worlds. Mark, are you a live patch fan? 
I'm a live patch enthusiast. I think that if you want to watch a new champion get played at the highest level, it's kind of lame that you got to watch shit. that champ two months after it gets dropped because it, it doesn't used to come be out that two way. weeks. It's it's two months th- these days. They they don't allow new champs yeah. until they pass things. And like, God forbid that new champ comes out during world season or MSI season. That thing's not being fucking seen for six months. Yeah, I, it it's, used to be that where's way. Where's Boost you? Like, I want to know how how soon agents can be played. It, it used to be like Insta. Like everyone would just be waiting. Like I remember when Yasuo came out, everyone was waiting to see like the first competitive Yasuo. Like that, like because that champion was like just so ridiculous. Like in terms of like mechanics, I, I think that there was a lot of excitement behind that that it just doesn't exist now, and it sucks. People, we got we got trolled I think it's, in 2015. Uh... We got we got trolled one time in 2015, and Riot put the guardrails on, and we've had no fun since then. Dude, uh, as a as a Blitzcrank. Uh, as a Blitzcrank one trick, I don't, whenever a new champ gets announced, I like don't get excited about it because I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be playing this champion and I how don't do know. How do I hook this champion? How, how, no, so it's not that. It's like, <laughs> how many years is it going to be before I get to actually see this played in a game? And then when it does finally get played, I'm like, oh shit, it's finally here. That champion is here. Um, I see somebody in the chat saying, uh, one patch, very helpful for bugs. Why don't you just fucking QA the game a little better? Also, my, my Fix clause, the bugs before it gets released. My clause for having longer patches is also hotfixes. We'll throw in that clause. If something is stupid OP and Riot wants to hotfix it, I'm down. But I think longer patches would actually really benefit competitive play and force teams to get better. Uh, also, yes, new champs, play them live. I'm so freaking down with that, Mark. I, I think it's like a big, like, if we want to make this like fun to watch and entertaining, there's nothing more fun than seeing a pro play a new champion as it comes out. And that's fucking exciting for everyone, you know? Yep. Mordekaiser and fuck competitive integrity, ruined, okay? ruined fun. Uh, all my integrity. homies hate competitive integrity. Competi- competitive integrity is what we define it to be. And I have oh, now defined it, it that. Playing the game that everyone else is playing is competitively integ- integral, in- integritous, integrity. Not only did it ruin that entire world, but it also ruined the chance that we could see five champs played <laughs> continuously. I, I, I remember when Nyla came out. I think it was Nyla. When, which champ? Or was it Samira? Some, someone got released like right at the ramp up for Worlds. And it, it was like we played the playoff patch without them, then Worlds without them. And then like... They by the time spring split rolled around, they sucked, and you just never saw them. Was it Yone? Which just says it's it was happened a Yone. lot of times. Yeah. Yone was so. I mean, Yone is still a broken champion, but Yone was so freaking broken when that thing came out. Yeah. How much integrity will there be for the competitiveness of the LCS if there is no LCS? How, right? How, we have to save the LCS. It's I, fair. I it everyone cubby. plays at the same rules. Like, just play it when it comes out. Why the hell not? Figure it out. Deal with it. Like the most competitively protein. integral thing, like Cubby is saying, is just no more patches. Patches are done. League of Legends has been finalized. All the champions are in the game. All the items are in the game. It's perfectly balanced. We're melee now. Fucking figure it out. Listen, I installed League of Legends off of CDs, and that should be... That is the League of Legends. Everything else, anything that... Any, I don't want to file hitting my computer from anything other than a CD-ROM. Or maybe it was a DVD. We have two more. Anyway, we have two more callers. Let's let's go. Thank you so much to our caller for calling in. I 
don't even remember where we went with all this. Uh, but what do you want to? Anything you want to shout out? Uh, yeah, shout out the two v two v two v two that's coming out. Uh, Summon of Rift is dead, and this is the new game mode. Dude, that's, I'm that's I messaged Mark this week. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I messaged Mark this week because I was watching the co streams for the LCS on the days that I wasn't there, or the day I was in there last week, and I was watching Sneaky and Medios. And they don't watch draft. They don't tune to the, the stream at all during draft. They are just doing 2v2v2v2. And because the 2v2, like they start it basically the most, it's great for sponsors, I'm sure. And I'm sure Riot's definitely telling all their partners about the fact that their co-streamers are not watching any of their ad content. But the moment the game ends, Sneaky and Medios alt-tab to the PBE, queue up for 2v2v2v2. Then they get in it. And uh, in one of the games, they matched against LS and Max Waldo. So you definitely know those co-streamers are also not watching any of the ad content. But, uh, like, the Twitch chat starts saying, uh, Twitch chat starts saying, like, it's time for draft. It's time for draft. And Medios is like, ah, we don't need to see draft. And they just keep fighting. And I'm like, honestly, by that point in time, it's late enough in the 2v2v2v2 that I'm like, I don't want to watch draft either. I want to see how this ends up. My whole thing is, you know how we have subway surfers on TikToks? I think in the draft phase, there should be a 2v2v2v2 game going on. I don't know with whom, but they need to show it on screen while draft is happening in like the center hey, box. You Use it for side select. I'm not even kidding. We, we've like had this idea thrown around. Use it for side select. It'd be no, so I think there's a lot fun. you can do with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, thank you so much, caller, for the call, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Uh, off Mark goes to grab one of our next two callers. We got Craig Yorger here and Late Night Arc. Thank you to both of you for the subs. I say here. I mean, they're here with the subs, which are greatly appreciated. Uh, all right. Can we put a VTuber on the bottom right of the screen as well? Yeah, we'll just make it look like a... GeoCities webpage. All right, uh, Ezra Smiles is here. Ezra, where are you calling from? Hey, friends. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Ooh. Florida. We always get so. I our editor for the podcast is from Tampa, Florida, and she always says that every week there's a Tampa caller, and then you just proved <laughs> it. All right, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I kind of have a TSM overall take. So I have the take that not only will TSM go three zero this week and finish top four in the summer making it to Worlds, but also um, by doing that, both Insanity and Wild Turtle will make All-Pro. Oh, wow. Okay. Go ahead and yeah. elaborate on this. Yeah, yeah. So TSM just came off of a 3-0 week with Insanity making Player of the Week. Um, even having one week out, Insanity has looked really good. Uh, not only has everyone talked about him being um, one of the top three mids among, you know, uh, JoJo, um and mnfs but also just that he's he's been looking really good in the time he's played um and then uh also just to the wild turtle point really quickly um i think he's been having like just a really great season uh when you interviewed unforgiven when he was talking about really good bot lanes he mentioned that he thought wild turtle was in in there for a really good bot lane um and i think that um, if TSM just kind of keeps up their trajectory of how they're performing, 
that they can uh they can finish out the split strong, take, have another three a week, and then uh, make it to worlds, yeah, or go fourth place. Who, who else do you, who else do you think is in competition for with Wild Turtle for All Pro? For All Pro, I would say uh, obviously, um, I'd say obviously Berserker, and then I would say Unforgiven probably would be my other two. You don't think Stixay's no no Stixay? Um, I think Stixay has been playing well, but I think he hasn't been playing as well um in the summer split as he was in the end of spring split or during MSI. And I think Dignitas or sorry, I really think that Golden Gardens are really relying um on their top half of the map map with Licorice kind of smurfing and uh River and Gory just being very very good gotcha all right uh Kevin, what, um, do you th- what do you think of this tsm i, I was gonna, just gonna throw to mark first is the okay go permanent lcs fixture uh sure i mark. think this is a, a pretty sane take i might not agree with all of it but i don't think mm-hmm. it's too out of left field or anything um i think starting with the thing i disagree with most i'll say turtle for all pro just because I actually do think the 80 carry pool is pretty stacked. I mean, mm-hmm. the two you called out, sure, but I would also throw in, I think Stix A actually has been really good. I think sometimes Lane, not so much, but a lot of the late game team fights that have been a little dicey, it's, it's basically him carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that Yawn has been good. And you could even throw Double Lift in there as being pretty good, though I don't think he's seriously in contention unless he starts like ripping off a lot of wins just because the team's doing too bad around him, though I think individually Double Lift is, is decent. Um, so... I don't think Turtle has much of a chance unless he really steps up, just because there's too many other names that are going to be getting nods who might place over him in the standings. But I think Insanity is, is legit. I think Gory is the only other one that I would throw in above him right now, potentially. Um, but even that is like debatable. I think TSM, him being six and three with them, if he if he even goes four and two, you know, and ends ten and five with mm-hmm. TSM, like he he should definitely get some all pro nods. Um, and then the the playoff thing is like yeah fair enough I don't think any team in fourth right now I'm like ready to declare as like the the fourth place team going to worlds it, it could or like going to the EU match like I, I could see them dig or what about team, team liquid JoJo teams maybe figure it out oh Jonas what I don't what? I I thought you were just saying insanity and gory I didn't hear you say JoJo did you well that's because the caller said JoJo and MNS JoJo's implied. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, he, okay. The caller already acknowledged the other people, so I was just throwing Gory as the other one. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I, I I don't agree as much on Wild Turtle as well, like with Mark, but I, I do want to highlight that Wild Turtle is actually has good landing stats. I think part of this is mm-hmm. how TSM plays. Like one of the I think I have no idea why Ruby subbed in from a playstyle wise, like if we're gonna be honest, because I think that a lot of TSM's strategies have been around push mid. Uh for example, it's why Graves getting played by Insanity, and they're using that push to bleed into bot and help support Turtle on picks like Jinx, where he can go off later. I think the Jinx read has actually been really good from TSM. We're going to see more Jinx as time goes on. I think they're a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Uh, I think it's a pick that's kind of been missing from some other teams. For me, Turtle, I think Jinx enables him to actually play really forward in team fights, which is where Turtles always thrive, but we saw some games where he, uh, like, threw. Like, he was up a full item into Stixay in that Golden Guardians match that I cast. And play that one fight really bad where 6A got a pentakill, uh, where he didn't flash and he ulted air uh, in position too far forward. So, and that was off the jinx. Um, I still think Turtle's having a really good split, uh, but I do think he's getting outperformed by some other uh, marksmen. 
but insanity, yeah, I, I like Marx's argument. I think insanity has showed that he's really important to the success of TSM. And props to insanity. Like I think he's been playing a mid-meta that's different from what other teams are playing, and he's making it look good, and it's working with his team, which I always really value. I think insanity has done that well. He did that well when he was on Immortals, even. Uh, with Dignitas Challengers, and it's been a really good highlight for him with TSM this split, too. Uh, so I think that mid's a little bit of a closer race, because it appears that everyone is kind of unanimously JoJo, Gory, and then the rest. Uh, but curious to see how the rest of that pans out as we have our last six games. Yeah, I mean, I think TSM... No, go for it. Okay, I was just going to say, I think it might... And and this is kind of how a lot of all pros seems to shape up. I think it really really will depend how the standings play out at the end of the season. Not only their individual performances, but if TSM do finish top four, I think it's just going to highlight both of their players' strengths. Like I I think if TSM place ahead of you know GG for example, then the insanity gory debate or the wild turtle six a take will be more like tsm favored and i think that's really influenced it so and that's if they place in front of them in the standings of course but yeah i i think tsm has been tsm and eg i think have been the most pleasant surprises for me this split um i really went into this split feeling pretty down on else like competition within the league and I thought for sure we would see, like, it's like, oh, TSM's kind of throwing in the towel because they're on their way out. EG just, like, nuking their roster. Um, a couple other things. I mean, Dig had not really shown signs of life in spring. I felt like that would continue. And yet we have seen some really cool stuff out of some of these teams that I did not expect. And so I, I could see that I... I mean, I know everything about the Wild Turtle stuff has already been said. I would just echo it. But, I mean, Insanity in particular has just been really fun and really cool to watch. Uh, and I feel really bad for Ruby. I know, I think it was last episode of the, the week before where we talked about how a lot of this, like, import stuff and the visa issues, we tend to focus on just the side effects of it from the LCS. But the players, like, if Ruby really comes over here plays, you know, spends all that time waiting for a visa, comes over here, flies across, moves to LA. <laughs> There's not even like an academy league for, or an academy spot for him to be playing in. And then that's it. That is a bummer. And like, I'm not saying that shouldn't be the case, but I'm rambling a little bit here, but I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I could definitely see some really cool shit happening for TSM here at the end of the split. If they can keep it up, they seem to be in a good spot. Ooh. Who would be the bigger surprise for you guys, TSM or Dignitas, this split? I mean, it depends uh, on where they, are Dig. you saying right, as of right TSM. now? Yeah, like, like where they're at in the standings, like how they're performing in LCS, like compared to expectations TSM for going sure. in. Yeah? TSM okay. for sure. For I, think, I think Dig, Dig, I believed in in spring a little bit. I think I put them six in my power rankings. And like, I don't think those players were bad. I think I just lost faith in that org. Whereas <laughs> like a lot of these players on the TSM roster, I didn't. I legitimately didn't think could be top half of the league with this combination. Not that they couldn't on some other iteration of a roster, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called it at all. Even with insanity over, over Ruby. So then bigger surprise between TSM and EG. I feel like those are the two biggest 
probably keeping like where they're at. EG so. still TSM. Okay. EG, uh, EG yeah, really? I, I, I think that's interesting. I I was too conservative with my EG prediction. I actually believe in them a lot because I said you have two top three players in their position in your carry roles. You have yeah. a jungler who can just play around the lanes. Ayla, who's yeah. way better than he showed on FlyQuest. Yeah. And then Revenge, who like I wasn't 100% sold on how good he would be. And I put them fifth. And like I didn't really have that much faith in any of the teams above them other than Golden Guardians and C9 and Fly. So like, I could have put them fourth. You know? I, 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 don't, I wouldn't have put them first. But like I actually really believed in that team, uh, the way it was constructed and stuff. I, I think they're better than I would have guessed. But I, it doesn't shock me when JoJo's like MVP candidate and Unforgiven's a beast. Yeah, when it went to Rel Alistar meta, I was not surprised at all to see Ayla like really showing up. That the guy's really good in those two champs, and uh, I'm glad that you had higher hopes for Ayla. Uh, he's also a EG he's got for a me. Chances meta too. EG for me is definitely the bigger surprise because <laughs> I just thought you blow up your roster so much before summer. You bring in like I mean, Armeo was coaching before, like last split. Jojo had not looked it's really easy to be like man Jojo's so good but in spring he did not look like he did in 2022 and so like even even in the most optimistic world like maybe third or fourth but these guys are one game ahead of Golden Guardians and tied with C9 like I just could not have predicted that whereas like TSM I thought they'd be bottom half of the league and they're tied in the middle part of it and i still think that's very impressive i still think that this team is showing up in a way that we didn't expect i think insanity looks really good like it's been really fun to see this lineup of players do as well as they are but like i definitely feel like eg is the bigger surprise for me um because you're right mark that like a lot of those those components were there but like i think a lot of that i mean you i feel like some of that is is a little bit of hindsight 2020 type deal right like jojo was not he's on a way different level than he was in spring yeah but i think this is what you should have expected his career to go after the tsm series in summer when when when, jo- when jojo was was carrying that eg lineup that was like mid implosion uh because of what was happening with danny um i thought that was really impressive and i expected that trajectory to continue and i think spring was a very disappointing step back um, but I think he just got hit with like the sophomore slump where you go to Worlds, you play against the best players in the world, and you come back to NA, and you're, you're probably honestly trolling a little bit. And I, I mean, think I was 50-50. Okay, sorry. Well, then he went to Korea, and he fucking piss-smurfed on Korean solo queue, which doesn't mean everything, but we've already seen him be good in NA. So, like, I don't know. I didn't look at that spring form and be like, that's JoJo. I went, like, that's sad. You're better than that, bro. Come on. And then I he, mean, I was 50-50 that. that he was going to do the thing that we've seen players do time and time again, where, like, they get stuck on a roster that they're... Like, that guy had amazing talent around him, and clearly he still does, but, like, if if my team came to me after spring and said, hey, we're replacing all these players that you've known but, but and you're played just, with... You're just, and that like, the really problem good. is you're just talking about narratives there. That's, there's nothing about the actual players that, like, replace... No, 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 no. A lot of players get pissed i thought like jojo might have wanted to have a trade seeing his roster blow up and seeing a bunch of players that didn't have the best reputation coming into the the team uh, see th- this is why i've always part of why i've always put my chips on jojo because i think for him it's more of a chip on his shoulder now and he gets to prove himself and he's really proven himself this split uh, well, and- I, I, yeah sorry go ahead no I, I aligned with you mark the fact that spring was a bit of a step back like 
I thought he fixed a lot of his side landing mistakes in summer. And then spring, it was just like, why is this guy trolling in sides like every single mid game again? Uh, we aren't seeing that now. I think a lot of the games are playing through him, uh, which does help as he is kind of dictating the game. But uh, JoJo, for me, was always a player that he needed to be pushed uh, and he had the potential to be great. Like in Academy, he just started shot calling because he was bored. It was like he was fisting every mid. So he was like, all right, I gotta like figure this out. And they pushed him. So I felt like this team. Like, he knows that he has to be the guy in this team. Like I, I made the comparison. It's all, it's, he's almost like Jimmy Butler on the Heat, right? With where he's at on EG. I've done that, said that on here before, too. He has to be playing as well as he can in order for this team to win. And they built a support system around him to do so. Uh, and I feel like JoJo, it's like he has to step up and reach that mantle, which he's really done uh, in this split. It's been really, really good to see. Uh, and yeah, he's got talent around him. But also, yeah. JoJo has been the MVP of the split, so... He's better than I would have predicted, but it's not like something I didn't think was possible. And I yes. think that's like, again, the opinion of the people who took his teammates' spots really depends on if you what you thought of TLA and when Ayla subbed into the LCS and like what you thought of Armeo and like people who held these players in high regard was like, wait a minute, you have two legitimate potential superstar carries and a bunch of good role players around them. Like, why wouldn't this potentially be a good team? So like, they're, I never they're make. I never make the assumption that an LCS pro player is going to make strong, reasonable assessments of other competitive players based off of the context that they're in. Yeah, but do you think JoJo built that roster? Or do you think Kelsey and the coaching staff built that roster? I don't know. My here, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're over time. But my only perspective is, I thought there's a fifty-fifty chance that JoJo could have looked at the rest of this roster and been like, "Wow." My org fucked me. I'll just wait until next year and I'll trade. We have seen that happen before with other LCS players who were really good. And so I thought there was a chance. Like, that was a, a reasonable assumption on my part, I think, that, that something like that could happen. But you guys are right. JoJo showed his strength as a competitor by instead right in, of doing that, rising to the challenge, which I think is admirable and cool and worth noting. Ezra, anything you want to shout out before we go on to the last caller? Yeah, of course. Um, shout out you guys as always for just being amazing and releasing amazing content. Um, shout out to Alienware for supporting and uh, being a longtime sponsor. They sell amazing products. And uh, shout out to uh, Wild Turtle and the entire TSM squad. They're really going um, through it and they're they're kind of upsetting everyone's expectations and they're just really awesome people and players too. Yeah, yeah thanks guys. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. I'll catch you next time. Cool. Uh, we are ready for our last caller. Off. Marcos. Oh, Human Boy is here. Human Boy, where are you calling from? Uh, Rochester, Minnesota. It's been a while since you've called in. I, I recognize the name because of, of Warhammer hijinks, but what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so, before I say this and say the obvious thing, my take was that the Golden Guardians are going to be one of our top teams on into perpetuity and that's like i mean the org in general not like yes they have five really good players right now they're doing well right now really hot take but like let's pretend steve comes in buys the five players i think the next five golden guardians will get will also be like a top four team so one of the reasons i like this take and i appreciate it is because we've been getting a lot of heat on in the comments or something like that for being like for people being like wow 
There's never any discussion about Golden Guardians on the show. Never any takes, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm glad that we have a caller who's decided to call in and and exci- be excited about Golden Guardians. Why Why do you have so much faith in the org, especially apart from the players? Well, this roster came together. I mean, it's doing really well. So clearly they did some of their homework on this one right here. And it had some names on it that people weren't super excited about, like, Sticks A. And while he is the weakest, uh, the weakest link in the roster, he's still doing fine. But even before that, you know, they got that. Uh, uh, it, it's been a couple of years, so I'm forgetting the exact combination. But, you know, they had Huhi, FBI, and somebody, and they just, 100 Thieves just said, mm, that looks delicious, and just took it. And then that 100 Thieves did really well. So it's pretty clear that this organization is good at taking not top of the shelf, a million dollar players and putting together in a combination of like personalities and strategy and making them good enough that other teams want to buy the combo, not like FBI is doing really good. It's like clearly this team found a good combination and like counterpoint is FlyQuest. All those parts are really amazing, but something's not working. It's like, well, Golden Guardians has a track record of making uh, of making the the some more than the the parts, you know, the thing. I know. I think that's that's a really good way of putting it because uh, they have they've demonstrated this multiple times. Usually with Huhi, I think in tow. Uh, Cubby, what do you think of this? Especially as somebody who cares a lot about North American talent or underserved talent, underutilized talent, maybe is the best way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I I give Golden Guardians a lot of props because the last two off seasons they've made a buyout move like halfway through summer before the deadline. They got Licorice, and then they got River. Uh, and they managed to actually put a team around them that paid off, uh, which I think that, like, ended up looking kind of clever, looking back. They got to buy them out, dodge free agency. They just said these are the pieces that they want, and then actually put a team together that worked. Uh, so I think they do have to get some credit for that, along with the first build that you highlighted, which I think is a good recollection and memory back in 2020, where they brought in FBI who he and closer together and they looked really nice um i will say that while they don't have an official challengers team array is actually a really promising marksman that's sitting as their sub uh, that i hope is having a good experience this split uh and they do still have a hand in aoe esports uh that are currently actually on a real hot streak acadian's the coach uh, aoe has access to golden guardians facilities to practice uh and will as their jungler is i think 17 or 18 I rank in CQ and a very talented jungler. Uh, he's If you guys like Lee Sin players, he's your Lee Sin player. So I, I feel like GG and Anero, they've always had a hand in the system. Uh, and in a way, they have proven that they have had two builds that have uh, punched above their weight class. So I, I think that a lot of that, I mean, credit to them, like whatever they've got going on uh, in the office. I mean, it takes a team in order to do that and make yourself look better than what it takes. Uh, anything can happen moving forward, but... Uh, appreciate highlighting GG and some of the good things that they've done. I, I can't say I really disagree. Uh, they have to prove it, but I, I think that, yeah, they've been able to find something twice, uh, which is tough to do. I think Anero's just that good. Mark, I, uh, I also, is there I also anybody up? It. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You go. Okay, uh, I was just going to say that no one has any money, or people might not spend as much anymore either, which is good for them because they're cheap. I was going to ask you, do you think 
Kelsey Moser, Anero, and Jack are the three most successful team builders in North America. Um, no. I, I mean, I they built Kelsey's built one. I mean, I I love Kelsey, but she's built one team. You know, like I don't know. Did, what, unless she was heavily involved in the construction of the previous championship EG roster, which maybe she was, and I'm I'm mistaken. I don't think so. Uh, uh, I think it. She had a slight hand in like the 2020 100 Thieves system, with if I'm not mistaken, and then went to EG. But I don't. But that was that, that was like one. their that was like their yeah. 100 Thieves next. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. that she was helping out with not their yeah. actual like championship roster. I think it was um, more and fixed I, and top-down driven. So like she was a part of it, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy for Golden Guardians guys, but like, didn't they also have some big whiffs too? They, they still <laughs> haven't won ten games out. in regular season. He he put together some good teams, I guess, for Echo Fox that were like relatively competitive. Um, I guess unless he was just coaching that, I don't know if he built those rosters. I don't know. I mean, people people shit on Steve. Because it's fun, but a man's got titles. He's also got money. Makes it easier. True. True. Uh, I will say, you know, from the Challengers level, uh, TLA won back-to-back. And this iteration of TLC, despite whether or not Harry or APA is in, they're up four games on the competition this split. So, you know, Challengers-wise, it's, it is TLA. Is, is Spawn the best coach in, in North America? Honestly, I feel like uh, Spawn deserves quite a bit of credit for the fact that his team has been in the first place position three out of his last four splits, not to mention in 21, where they were also in double uh, Academy Finals and then the Summer Proving Grounds Finals. So, yeah, I feel like Spawn does deserve quite a bit of credit for being a consistent face with the success that TL has had in their it's, teams. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard to say who builds the rosters exactly. Yeah. And it's also like, of course, the people with the most money tend to win the most. So, like, do you deserve credit for throwing your wallet at the problem? Or do you give credit to the team that's, like, fifth on NRG? You know, four, two splits in a row, fourth, fifth, whatever they got, you know, with, like, a bunch of undervalued talent. You know, like, I don't know what's, what you consider more impressive. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, I just think it is... I do. It does feel like we are entering an era where, like, I don't. I guess I I don't have the the spending sheet in front of me, but I don't think Cloud Nine is spending way more than anybody else, or maybe even as near the top. I think it's probably Fly. I think in spring it was probably Fly C Nine and E G in some sort of order, and this put it's Fly. They uh, what's that? So this put's got to be Fly. No, we're spending. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, I don't have I don't have summer data though, but I I just think it's interesting. We're entering an era where it looks like the you know the top three teams in the league this summer are not the teams that are spending the most. I guess maybe Cloud Nine's up there now if if Hunter T dropped down. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Human Boy. I do think you were correct that Golden Guardians has done a really good job and demonstrated that their staff can put together some good stuff. But earlier at the start of the show, I was getting flamed for being a Golden Guardians believer. So I, I, I am biased in this manner, clearly. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I have a I have a YouTube channel. If you care about Total War Warhammer and people screaming obscenities at a video game, uh, we we run four streams a week, usually about three tournaments a week, and then one practice stream, just grind out some games, mostly playing Skaven, and uh, yeah. And then the yeah. other shout out to be uh, Spawn. So he was on the show last time I was here, and uh, he's a good dude. So yeah, that's what I got. You should follow my roommate Joshi TV. He's ranked top 200 in Warhammer and just won a local tournament. Really? Uh, That's crazy. Joshi. Yeah. Okay, I will Yoshi actually... underscore TV. Okay, all right. I'll go talk to him and get him onto our Discord. You know, okay, keeping it short, you know Champions Queue for League of Legends? Yes. We pretty much run that for Warhammer, so we have a Discord bot that ranks you and all these things, and it's just so that you can play essentially quick battles but without running into, like, corner campers and stuff, so I'll see if he's interested. But in your that. Champions Queue is still alive. Uh yeah, we got a four hundred dollar playoffs coming up Sunday. Nice. Where yeah. wait, where can people find the stuff? Sorry, you've been promoting it, but you didn't say where. Uh Human Boy Yes Yes on YouTube. I am the only person remotely named anything like that, so it's pretty easy to find. Alright, thanks so much for the call and we'll catch you next time. Yep, see you. Alright, that is the show. Uh Mark, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? Anything at all? Don't think so. Shout out uh, Larian Studios. Uh, big ups. I love Divinity Original Sin 2. Can't wait. Any any catching up with anyone other than Doublelifts on the horizon? Probably. He's going to keep it secret. All right. Cubby, what about you? Where, where you what you got? Uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to anyone that follows Challengers League. Uh, you can follow me Twitter at CubbyXX. Same with Twitch. I do VOD reviews of Challengers League games there that I do not cast. Uh, and Challengers League plays every Saturday, Sunday, Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on LCS underscore Challengers and Path to LCS. Uh, and yeah, if you guys want to tune in and see, we got some talented players and quite a few that I think are going to be um, in LCS next year. It'll be Masu from FlyQuest, Mir, also known as Arthur from HOE Days. Uh, going to be a candidate if he stays in NA. We got pretty good teams that play over there. So, you guys want more NA League of Legends? So, tune in. We have the weekend time slot. It's a nice brag, Covey. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Sorry about the audio sync issues. We'll all be back home next week, and so we'll be back to uh, normal setup. We shouldn't have some random tech technical issues that rear their head right before the start of the show. Uh, but um, thank you to everybody. Thank you, Cubby, for coming on. Thank you, Rosaris, to Mark, who had to put up with these tech issues today and deserves a lot of credit, more so than he gets in the league scene. For everyone else, you can check out Hotline League, my shows, everything, etc. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. I've lost some subscribers. It's rough. See you next week.